You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hello, hello. Welcome to Family Rules, the podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Walker. Grateful, as always, that you would carve out some time to be part of our conversations here and hopefully benefit as we share together inspiring ideas from inspiring families and also tap the brains of really, really talented experts in the field of home and family life, get their advice and opinions. And from my perspective, the greatest gift they give us each and every episode are these down-to-earth, on-the-ground, practical tools and solutions that we can grab hold of easily and implement in our own family lives. I tell you, I go home from every conversation feeling lighter and feeling more prepared to take on the dynamic that is family. And I'll tell you what, the producers of this podcast and also of our companion television show, Family Rules, on BYU TV are constantly taking the pulse, if you will, of the family scene. We put a lot of thoughtful research into the topics that we approach here, and we want to meet you where you are. And as we set out during the production of this show and this program, we were quick to notice an emerging theme among topics that you wanted to hear more about. And to put it plainly, the theme was this, calm in the crazy. Like I just need a little bit more calm in the crazy that is daily family life. And as you think about that, calm, connected, what does it take to maintain that daily peace, even though life is so up and down and busy and fast moving? Today's guest will tell you that there is one tool, one practice she thinks all families could benefit from, and that is mindfulness. Dr. Liz Hale is a clinical psychologist, a former radio talk show host, and popular television contributor. She's become a household name to many. She addresses a range of topics from marriage to stress, sometimes all in the same conversation. She has helped so many couples and families over the years fortify and strengthen their relationships in such a warm and meaningful way. I say warm and meaningful, and I can't use those words and two words have never been more appropriate to describe an individual. Liz's heart is open. She leads out with her warm ways, and we're all better because of it. So listen in as she talks through some basic principles of mindfulness. She's actually going to pull from an elementary school program and talk about, I mean, essentially what we can learn from these young kids who are practicing the art of mindfulness and how we might bring this practice to life in our everyday family life. I pressed Liz in asking, does this have to be a conscious separate effort? Like, do I need to be in the corner of the room with my legs cross, the shades drawn, humming or listening to that slow beachy wave type of music, Liz says, no, there are things we can do, even in the crazy of family life, to bring a more connected and calm environment, which ultimately we're all after, especially as the world continues to get more and more fast paced. I think you'll enjoy this conversation on mindfulness as it relates to family life with Dr. Liz Hill. My dear friend, Dr. Liz Hale, thank you for joining me on Family Rules, the podcast. It is always a pleasure. I was just telling Liz, I'm kind of smitten with this podcast world. My hair is up. (laughs) There is no time limit, no producer in my ear telling me to wrap. We just get to talk to our heart's content. I like it. I love it too, especially this topic. Yeah. Very near and dear to my heart. Well, it's a juicy one and it's growing and growing. The interest, I should say, is growing and growing. Mindfulness. What first turns you on to this topic? 
Well, you know, a number of people have pointed out this past year could serve as a kind of a stress test for mindfulness, Mm. right? Between the coronavirus pandemic, economic hardship, the many incidences of racial injustice, the wildfires, the hurricanes. We'd add earthquake to Utah, right? Mm -hmm. And this election with more twists and turns than a Jason Bourne movie. You know, the 2020-2021 treadmill just kept going faster and faster. So if you sometimes feel like your head is spinning, yeah, right? Do you, Brooke? I mean, yes. I certainly do. Just know that you're not alone. I, I think it's probably safe to say that, that most of us are feeling anxious, mm-hmm. sad, or just plain overwhelmed. And while it's natural to want to obsess about the worst case scenario or to bury your head in the sand and pretend none of right. this is happening, right? those are just not the most helpful responses. I think what's needed right here and now are ways to steady the heart. Would you agree? Yes. There's no time like the present. And that's where mindfulness comes in. Start by just acknowledging that we're living in still kind of a chaotic time. Mm -hmm. And your mind, just take note of your greatest worries. And even, I know this is a little different than what we typically hear, but you might almost whisper to yourself, sadness, fear, anxiety, grief, longing, as if to bow to that feeling and hold it with respect. Oh, that's interesting. And what that does, it allows the feeling to open. Okay. Maybe even intensify for a minute, but eventually it softens. Okay. You know, it's that thing that you and I've talked about, whatever you resist persists. Yes. Sometimes we just need to go with the sadness Give it its own moment, breathe into it until it lets go. Well, and what you did there in that moment, that was that was a really powerful exercise, even just for exemplary sake. But you you started this off by talking about the pace of the world. And I found yes. almost my breath and my heart rate quickening with you as you considered you know, the treadmill that you called 2020, 2021. That's so true. But I like the phrase bowing to these these emotions a little bit, honoring them, giving them space. That immediately slows us down, doesn't it? <laughs> You bet it does. I think there there needs to be a place for it. I, I we know so much about the brains, and and yet we still have a long ways to go, right? There's all these discussions about 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 what it all is, and especially with concussions. I think we're really good at protocol for concussions. What do we do? We've gotten like a lot a, better a, for sure. A sports person, yes, gets injured. There's a whole protocol, but now we're just learning even more about how the brain works, how learning works, how stress reduction works. You you know who Goldie Hawn is, right? Yes, yes. That famous comedic actress. Can I tell you, Goldie is one of the most fun people to follow on Instagram too. Oh, I is mean, she? Good oh, for about you. Every other week, there's this little, and I'm not big into the Hollywood scene. There are very few quote-unquote celebrities whom I do follow. But about every yes. other week, she posts this cute little pump-me-up of, of her on a mini tramp just bopping her brains out, just dancing around, that arms waving awesome. wildly. There's a lightness about her. And, and you you say oh, that yeah. that points to kind of her, her purpose in mindfulness. This whole topic resonates with her too. Well, I'm curious. Have you heard about Mind Up then when, she, when you're following her? Mind Up is her nonprofit organization. Yeah, she talks about it occasionally. I remember nice. an Oprah interview okay. way back when, when she kicked it off, but I'm sure it's grown okay. since then. That is awesome. For about 18 years. Wow. Called Mind Up about 6 million Children, 150,000 educators had been taught these foundational brain care principles in schools around the world. Okay. So just imagine we've got teachers and students, parents, administrators, all learning the principles that are making a tremendous impact socially, emotionally, behaviorally, and academically. I love it. So I kind of broke it down into the word 
brain. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the B? Mm-hmm. The B is breathe. <laughs> you say breathing in pursuit of more mindfulness, both as individuals and as families. Breathing can be a good teacher for us. Just think of this as your brain on duty, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> we got to have breath. Thank goodness this happens without our awareness. But adding some insight to how deep or how shallow, how fast or how slow we breathe can change the chemistry in the brain. It changes our behavior for better or for worse. So imagine this, just taking a brain break and breathe. That's what we do in these classes that have embraced Mind Up is these kids take brain breaks. Okay. This mindful moment room is, is from another foundation in the news. When acting out in school, kids are sent to the meditation room, right? Or the detention room. Uh-huh. But instead, imagine just helping them be able to calm themselves down. So they maybe avoid attention altogether. Through breath. We have dear family friends who, when their little guy, I remember watching them before I was even a parent, but when their little guy would throw a tantrum, uh, his dad would say to him, blow out the candles. Blow out the candles, buddy. And that was his way to like breathe through that moment, through that three-year-old tantrum, whatever it was. Is that what we're talking about? Just being conscious of the breath and giving ourselves space to fill our bellies and exhale it out? I love imagining birthday candles. It was really bright of your good friend to do that. We just, you know, sometimes we just don't even pay attention to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Some of the five senses come come to mind also, Brooke, you know, even just the taste, touch, smell, Mm. hearing, what are you hearing, what are you seeing? Imagine all those right there as you start to quiet the breath a little bit and just pay attention. Just notice what's in front of you. Notice what you're touching, hearing, smelling, tasting. I love that. The R in our brain acronym stands for regulates. What skills do kids need, Liz, to not just respond, but regulate a situation? Right. And how can we respond, any of us, versus react? One cute little nine-year-old boy, he was on the playground when his best friend, out of the blue, just pushed him. And due to his mindful practice, he stepped away, took a, a few slow breaths, and he thought to himself, now, if I push my best friend back, He's no longer going to be my best friend. <laughs> what a and smart little I don't want to do that. Yes, yeah. isn't that impressive yeah. thinking for a nine-year-old? So he realized that I don't want to do that. And instead they talked and he found out that it was just an accident. One boy pushed another boy, which pushed him. So that self-regulation, the ability to manage your behavior and your emotions in any given situation, it's the most important skill to foster in childhood. And just think about the benefit even in marriage Mm. or parenting. If Mm -hmm. I can just, I remember John Gottman saying this to me when I I saw him. I've I've trained quite a bit with him. He's like our main marriage researcher, right? He's the guru. and can predict divorce with like 94% accuracy. So I said, you know, John, what is it between these marriage masters, these couples that do it well versus the marriage disasters? Mm -hmm. And he said, they seem to just do one thing well in particular, and that is they pause. Something happens, and instead of reacting, they hit pause. Mm-hmm. And they just have that beat. And it's like, oh, I love that. I do, I too. I teach all my couples. I teach my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I teach myself. Just just breathe. Just yeah. beat. Well, one, of, one of the first early business lessons my dad taught me, and he's kind of my business go-to, was don't send an angry <laughs> email. And I know emails don't apply in our personal relationships as much, Beautiful. but it goes to that same idea. Like, don't respond in the moment. Don't react in the moment. Take a Beat, take a breath, take a pause is what I'm hearing you say. And I love how that nice. does trickle down to all of our relationships. Parent you to child, bet. spouse to spouse, that pause can serve us so well. It's amazing how couples will go on text, you know, and that's where their arguments will be. 
instead of in person. A lot of the couples I'm working with yeah. anyway. Yeah. Just, you know, trying to move them back to the, the moment and the person at hand. It's like, oh, you know, look, look, look at who you're talking to. It's like, oh, there you are. You're this man I love <laughs> or this woman I'm so crazy about. Yes. When we hide behind the screens, you know, all heck can break loose. All right. Brain on duty. The B stands for breathing, taking those breaths. The R, regulate. How we can take a pause, regulate our emotions in the moment so we aren't so reactive. The A in this brain acronym stands for achieve. And do you find, as we apply this to kids, Liz, do you find kids can achieve this mindfulness or this mind mastery? That's what seems to happen. Not just academic achievement, but they continue to strive to achieve understanding and mastery of the mind and what fosters one to achieve. So these students in the mind up, for instance, they hold their loose fist up, right? To represent the brain. Okay. They know that their wrist is where the brainstem is located. That's the autonomic functions. And also on their fist, they know their, their tucked in thumb is where and what the limbic system is. That's the lizard part or reactive reptilian brain, always on alert for danger. Like, am I safe? Am I safe? Is everything okay? They know that their knuckles are where the prefrontal cortex is located. It's These are smart kids. Howl. They are. The, it's a leader who stops to think, making really good decisions and learning and understanding, following directions. When the reptilian brain is activated, it's underneath that, the fingers being drawn over that thumb, mm-hmm. it overpowers the prefrontal cortex. And that's when poor decisions are made. It's really hard to think clearly and be wise. Sometimes we'll... I'll even get out a, a, a glass full of glitter. And if I turn it upside down, you know, sometimes we flip our lids. <laughs> yes. You turn it upside down and you see this, the, this highlight or this glitter just suddenly swirling like a tornado. And it just quiet. It, it becomes more still and more still again until the jar is clear. And the prefrontal cortex is back in command again. So that's the achievement part. These kids are able to learn better when their breathing is calm, Uh when they take these brain breaks, they're they're ready to listen, they're ready to take things in. So I can see why MindUp is such a popular program. Yeah, and I have to think that, you know, that may seem like a lot of, you know, science and, and medicine for little kids to process, but ultimately you've then taken the brain out of the person, so to speak. It becomes this this tool that we can use or manipulate. We talk about controlling our thoughts or our thoughts don't control us. Does separating the brain from the person, I know that sounds a little odd, but does that help them maybe visualize that I'm in control of what's happening in my head? I'm in control. I, I can control or at least influence what thoughts are running through my pathway at any given time. It's so beautifully said. Kids will actually go home and they teach their parents One little girl reported back on Monday morning that her dad had tried to put together some type of playhouse, right? (laughs) No, it was a shed. That was it. (laughs) And uh, he was just so frustrated. The parts were missing, you know, and um, he just didn't have the right tools. And he was swearing up a storm, just really losing his cool. And she Uh would say to him, Daddy, Daddy, it's just a shed. It's just a shed, Daddy. You know, (laughs) and I thought that was so beautiful that she could try to help him separate out again their dad, right, that she loved from the brain or the behavior. It's like, oh, daddy, it's just a shed. Just a shed. (laughs) The I stands for impact. How does this exercise, as we go through this process, impact our our mindfulness, our ability at least to impact the world around us through mindfulness? Children in, in school who learn how they impact others, boy, I tell you, they are far more sensitive and compassionate than those who remain unaware that they even have that kind of power or influence. 
Children in the Mind Up program, they go around the room and they will tell each and every student what traits that person has that impacts others for good. You know, in these classrooms, there appears to be no bullying. Hmm. They really start from the ground up of like, look, you have a lot of power. You have a plow, you have a you have power to bless or to hurt your fellow classmates. Hmm. How are you going to use that power? That's for all of us. I'm often saying that in marriage counseling, you have power to to help or to hurt each other. Which way, which way is it going to go? Which one do you choose? Well, and how how impactful, how meaningful to extend this topic of mindfulness beyond ourselves. I mean, I would have thought going into this conversation, by definition, mindfulness is a solo practice, a singular practice. It's about me centering my thoughts, right? Centering my approach and my perspective. Through this impact, though, and these wise kids that we're able to learn from today as you share these stories with us, you see that that mindfulness can help promote better behavior to those around us, right? Yes. Isn't that just a great place to start? It does start personally. You're absolutely right. It starts at home. It starts in my own internal home, uh, in the four walls of my own home. Uh, But then wherever I go, there I am. So I'm going to then take the better parts of me and the worst parts of me out into the world. All right. The N, as we move forward in our acronym BRAIN, we talked about breathing, regulating, achieving, impacting. The N stands for navigate. Talk to me about this piece. Well, we can't protect kids from hard times. We can certainly prepare kids for the hard times to come, Mm -hmm. even the hard times we're living in right now. When they learn to navigate difficult experiences and recognize that they've got these tools Mm -hmm. and know how to handle disappointment and failure, boy, they're set for life, come what may. So it's a shift for parents, Liz, in some sense. I think we want to be the protector, even the fixer. But am I hearing you say kind of in between the in-between messages, take a step back a little bit? We can't protect kids from failures, right? Mm-hmm. Like every every day, have some fun asking them, how did you fail today? Right? How did you fail oh, today? Like what that. did you learn? And I'll tell you how I failed. And we can all kind of support and love each other in that. Bottom line here is we practice mindfulness in the home. And as we talked about, take those mindfulness tools and those mindfulness practices outside of the home, into the classroom, into the community and beyond. What do you think is the ultimate benefit, Liz? Is, is, it, is it peace? Am I feeling more peaceful about my life? Am I feeling more in control? What's the big takeaway from practicing mindfulness at a family level? You know, it, it appears strongly that brain fitness and executive function are more accurate predictors of academic readiness and life success than IQ or other markers. Hmm. So they have a huge impact just understanding how the brain works and that you have power over your feelings. Feelings don't really, feelings don't have to dictate how we react to others. You know, Portland State University was recently awarded $3.3 million in federal grant money to study MindUp's effectiveness on kindergarten readiness, which sets the tone, as you probably know, for a child's entire educational career. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that preschool, that wind-up year, is potentially the most important year of all a child's foundational development. Children need to learn how and why to behave early on and what to do instead of just what not to do Mm -hmm. as they learn how to be learners and deal with these difficult emotions, pay attention, and, and even be a peer who listens to and interacts positively with their classmates. Oh, I love that. So the academic foundation comes as a benefit as well, not just the emotional fortitude or the emotional strength. That's right. It's all tied together. We really can't separate them out. I'm actually even teaching clients to do 
mindfulness, meditation, even as partners. There's some great meditation examples on the internet or even on apps where partners really get to focus in on, you know, what do I love about this person that I'm with? Uh What do I love about them best? And even mantras. One of my favorite mantras in a meditation for couples is just like me. You know, it's so easy to think of the differences of, of a husband to a wife, right? Those differences make me crazy or differences between, um, between our children and how they think or react or differences between peers or friendships. It's like, wait a minute, you're just like me. When I think about it, you're just like me. You have the same desires I do, the same wants. You want to be loved and accepted and needed and nurtured. You're just like me. And I'm take, I love mantras. I'm taken by that example too, Liz. A lot of times, and, and I'm I'm admittedly barely dipping my toe in the meditation pool, so I'm not one to speak to it from a depth or wealth of experience here. But when I think of meditation or mindfulness, I think of it having to be this sacred, carved out, thirty minute practice in the corner of the room with my legs crossed and my my fingers out. That's but right. you're saying these little mantras, just in 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 between moments, sentences, phrases oh, we yeah. can run through our mind that will ground us, center us, pull us more into the present. That can while you're driving to work, while you're fixing dinner, while you're upset and you take a break, all of that is a chance to be meditative, to be mindful, to really key into what am I saying to myself? What are these key phrases? And I really love this person. How can I, how can I win here in this relationship? How can I better love them? Hmm. You know, what can I do for them today? And that might even be, that might be another mantra is a spouse who asks another one, what can I do for you today? What can I do for you? In some of the examples, I was surprised to dial back just a few steps. I was surprised to hear you even reference like five-year-olds, kindergartners. At what mm-hmm. age can we start or should we start implementing these mindfulness practices or these self-awareness opportunities? Yes, as early as possible. As soon as early as a child can hold up their fist. You know, that's about the size and shape of a brain. Get that finger tucked in. That's a limbic system. Show them their knuckles. That's the really smart part. The smart part, like an owl that's wise and says, wait a minute, I'm going to hit pause here. Take a breath, take a beat. How do I really want to respond? If I hit my sister or my brother, they're not going to feel good towards me. And I'm not going to feel good about myself. Hmm. So teaching them just to hit pause like John Gottman does. Yeah. <laughs> and if we miss the early boat, if I've got preteens at home or teenagers <laughs> who might feel resistant to these mind games, so to speak, or these mind exercises, can you help us get in there a little bit, get our foot in the door? How might we approach this with a teenager or with an older child who this is new to them, right? This is new to their, new to their experience. How might, we, how might we open the door? And modeling is probably the best way, right? Mm. When a a child or a teenager sees us calm ourselves down, take a break. I'll be back in 30 minutes. I'm going to go calm down. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes once you are flooded to really calm down. Mm. So let your children see you that I'm going to take a break and I'm going to be back. I'd love to pick this up in 30 minutes. So please meet me back here at 630 and let's try again. So teaching them that you too are learning how the brain works, Mm -hmm. that you want to be better that you understand a little bit more and use those, use the words like limbic system and, and the wise owl, the reptilian brain that just kind of is so worried about being hurt, mm-hmm. right? Am I okay? Is this going to be all right? Is mm-hmm. the big bear coming? Or can I say, I'm going to, I'm, I'm okay. I'm at peace. 
There is no big black bear. We're okay. We can try again. Let's start over. I can't help but think it's not a coincidence that this study of the brain or this pursuit of mindfulness was ramping up, it would seem at least, right as life was ramping up. I mean, you think back over the last one, two, three, five years, we talked about that treadmill. Life has only gotten faster and quicker and and in many cases more intense. Do you find the need for this practice for mindfulness and meditation only growing and expanding? I mean, as the world continues to spin, are we going to need this more and more, do you think? Absolutely. I mean, we have it at our disposal. We know more than ever before about what makes the brain work. So I think the uh, the biggest shame would be to not utilizing that, to not really understanding how I can calm myself down. I think that was a little bit of a the beauty, if you will, of the coronavirus, as awful as it was, a loss of life. It's horrendous. I got COVID myself. Mm-hmm. The respect I, I have for COVID is just the slowing down of the whole world. Just before that happened, I remember thinking, the world is so fast. Yeah. My friend, my family member, they're going... 90 miles a minute. I, I am, although I have a little bit more control because there's not little children in my house. So I'm able to control and manipulate that a little bit. But I remember just welcoming that the roads were clear and that people were home. It felt so good. I really hope that some of these changes will last. I do That too. we won't put everything back on our plates. That we'll leave some things off and leave, live a little bit more simply. I do too. And even that arc, I mean, uh, depending on when people might be listening or dialing into this conversation, I'll speak fairly generally, but you consider the arc of the pandemic experience. I think at first people, well, I can just own my own experience. I think at first there was huge frustration with the, that break tap. We were forced into this place in this slower space and maybe even a little fight back as we initially resisted it. But then I I did feel a click and a shift and a settlement like to what you just described. Yeah, we can slow down. We can unpile our plate, so to speak. And there's great beauty and benefit in that. I agree. It was a huge silver lining to that whole trying experience. Yes, absolutely. These times can give us insight, I think, in how we want to live our lives, Mm -hmm. right? It really is a chance to review. So whether we're practicing yoga or meditation, Pilates, Reframing the negative thoughts that land on us all day long or journaling, even coloring can help, right? Take out a color book and crayons. They allow us to calm our minds and they permit us to step back from our emotions and observe, observe our preset. Let me just say that again. Yeah. Um, they, um, they allow us to calm our minds, permitting us to step back from our emotions and observe our preset mindset and circumstances without criticism or despair. They give us a space to realize, yes, the world outside is chaotic, Mm -hmm. but I have a place to live, I have enough to eat, and I am safe. I've taken several good breaths during this conversation, Liz. Just hearing just hearing you frame it in such an approachable way was really soothing and settling. So thank you so much for giving us these family tools to put into practice. I find it soothing just being with you. And I'm a huge fan. You're kind back at you. Love you, sister. Thank you so much. Take care, Brooke. Happy New Year, everyone. You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. Our special guest today, Dr. Liz Hale, teaching us and talking about how we can practice mindfulness, not only as individuals, but in our marriages, our relationships, and ultimately in our homes as we try to strengthen and fortify our family dynamics. We would invite you to subscribe to this podcast for other conversations just like this. And we look forward to any feedback you can send our way through a review 
or a rating. We hope to see you right back here next time. In the meantime, we hope these inspiring ideas and inspiring family stories are inspiring you within your own family dynamic. Thanks for listening. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.